Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. You've got your Bibles turned to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, that's thunder. It's, isn't it? No, it's March. Yeah, it's March 1. It can thunder now, I guess. Yeah. It just did, didn't it? Are y'all awake? Yes? Uh, as we continue... I think the Lord has given us a series, and I'm laughing about that. It's because I kind of avoid series when they're man-made, you know, when man plans out a year and says we're going to do this series, and God hasn't spoke to him about anything, but God's downloading this thing in order, in chronological order. If you happen to miss a Wednesday or a Sunday, I think it would be worth your while to go back and listen because they're coming to me in a way that I think he wants me to deliver them to you. They're coming in order, and it's amazing. I already know what Sunday's was. Matter of fact, I knew what Sunday's was before I knew what Wednesday's was, and I reminded the Lord that Wednesday came before Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, and then he gave me, he let me begin to do that, and then he gave me uh, tonight's. And I'm going to kind of camp and make sure that we're solid in what we've been learning about the old man. And, uh, and it, the old man is... Y'all got that, don't you? Is it working for you? I've heard so many incredible testimonies of attitudes and, and, and being presented with stuff in life as it comes towards you and people just testifying that their emotions would raise up or, their, or, or the way they used to respond to something would raise up and they would say, dead, 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 dead. I got a call from a telemarketer today. <laughs> and my staff is laughing because I used to do that, you know. That's what I did for a living. I was a insurance salesman or a manager and you know to get to to be a manager you have to sell a lot and so I used to call people a lot and that's called solicitation so that's all a telemarketer is doing is he's soliciting and so sometimes I'm not very kind <laughs> the Lord just said to me today it is that dead 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 or is it still alive, alive, alive? Are, are, you, are you planning to stop that? <laughs> and I went, yes, Lord, I got to stop that. <laughs> Did y'all, are y'all experiencing that? I'm doing it. As I go in life, it's just like, that's, that's supposed to be dead, dead, dead. That's done. There are so many people when it comes to the salvation experience, when you come to a saving knowledge of God, that, that just don't get it. Billy Graham says, 
that a, a larger percentage that are sitting in pews don't really have relationship with God than actually do in churches in America is his estimation. Of course, he doesn't know that because he doesn't know the heart, but it is the fruit that has been born from those who come to church that can tell us whether we are actually in Christ. And so as we read this, I, I just want you to see how important it is that we are transformed, that we're changed. And I, I really want you to be challenged. Um, I don't want you to be worried, and I don't want you to be ridden with guilt. I want you to understand that there is an expectation for you to be a kingdom carrier, and, and that looks more and more like Christ, and that is the expectation of the Holy Spirit as he even gives his word to Paul and he writes to the church in Philippi. Amen? So we're just going to continue to stay right here, I think, until we get it. Let's read <coughs> chapter 3. Verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and his first statement in chapter 3 is, is rejoice in the Lord. Now, let me just ask you real quickly, what do you think that looks like, rejoicing in the Lord? What does rejoicing in the Lord look like? If that is a command by the Holy Spirit through the, through the apostle Paul to the church, do you think it might be important that you have a mental image and a definition of what that rejoicing might look like? If you don't, then it's most likely true that you're not rejoicing in the Lord. Yes? So it, it is important, and that's what one, one of the things that we're trying to really uh, encourage is coming up front and really begin to uh, worship the Lord freely with dance and clapping and singing and shouting. And the reason we want you to do that is because God asked us to in His Word. And He says here again, Brethren, finally rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same thing. So He's saying I'm being redundant. It's not tedious for me and it's safe for you. In other words, it's good for you. And in verse 2 He says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. And when he's talking about that, he's using the term dog. You know, he, he, there's a place in Scripture in the Gospels where he says, like a, like a dog returns to his vomit. There's, a, there's a, a, a reference to that. But this particular reference to a dog is what the Jews used to call the Greeks or unbelievers, those who weren't in Christ or part of the church were referred to as dogs. That's probably not the attitude that God would have us have, but that's what it was referring to. And so what Paul does here is he turns it back on the church or the people who are the religious people, whether they're the church or not, is, is probably questionable. But he's turning it back on these religious people, and he says, beware of the dolls, beware of the evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are 
the circumcision, who worship God in spirit, in the spirit. That are, are the ones who are saved. Now, he's writing to this, and he's calling these people dogs because these people were actually saying that you have to be, you, you have to be circumcised to be saved. Jesus is Jesus, but unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. In other words, there's something you've got to do to be saved is what they're saying. And Paul is saying, look out for those dogs because they're teaching you a false doctrine. There's nothing you can do to be saved. Jesus did everything needed to be saved. Works doesn't get you saved. Salvation comes by the Spirit. For we are, we are the circumcision, who is those that worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And they have no confidence in their own ability to bring about salvation. They have no confidence in the flesh. That particular aspect of the flesh means your ability to bring salvation. There's nothing you can do, and there's no confidence in that. We are saved by the Spirit of God, in the Spirit of God, and we rejoice in that. Verse 4, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I, I, I more. In other words, he's about to say, I'm the baddest dude in the house. All Paul's about to do is he's about to give his credentials of why he should be the most confident in the flesh. That's all he's going to do here in these next verses. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of all Hebrews concerning the law. In other words, I knew the scriptures. I was a Pharisee. I was zealous, persecuting the church concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, but what things were gained to me, this I have counted loss for Christ. In other words, nothing I bring to the table is worth anything. The only thing that's worth anything to me is Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And that's huge. Everything about their life, everything about Paul's life, now what he just did was he went back to his childhood. He went back to his heritage. If you were in England or some other type of, of, of monarchy or kingdom and there were princes and and princesses and queens and kings, he would be of the lineage of that genealogy. In other words, he's saying, I'm the man. I'm in the, I am in the type A genealogy. My, my, my blood is blue blood. I, I'm, I'm born in the family of highest rank. Not only that, 
but I'm a Pharisee. Now, what you have to understand about a Pharisee is you can't get, Pharisee is an educational ranking. You couldn't become a Pharisee unless somebody saw that you were one intelligent young man. And, and, and school generally was over for most people at about 12 in that day. And, and then if you had some semblance of intelligence and somebody recognized that, they would take you under their wing and they'd grow you up a little longer. And then, and then if they saw you even flourish more, they would, they would take you to another level and that would be the level of uh, learning to be a, a Pharisee. And that's why people call Jesus rabbi because it was teacher that, that people would follow. And the disciples did the same thing. And so, and so there's this education level and he's, he's claiming that education level by saying, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. If he would have went to the Naval Academy, he would have graduated in the top of his class and he would be the highest ranking officer that graduated from that, from that class. Do you understand what I'm saying? When, when, the, when the Navy Academy, when they, when they graduate their people, their officers, they keep track. And one of those officers who graduated, let's say in 1990 and, and 2010, would be the highest ranking officer in that graduating class. Paul is saying about himself, that's who I am. If anybody want to boast about his own ability, I'm the man to boast. I've accomplished all these things. As far as zeal for God, I was so zealous for the Lord that I was persecuting the church. There's nobody that has more zeal. And what I do is I count that as rubbish, as trash, and I counted its loss. I, I put it off. I put no credit into it so that I can gain Christ. Do you, do you see that his old man is He's died to who he used to be and to whatever he thinks qualifies him for some kind of spiritual Elevation, maturity level, or whatever it might be. The only thing that's going to help him with his walk with God is Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. Man, I could stop right there, couldn't I? Let me just, I'm going to keep on going and then I'm going to stop here in just a second. And then we're going to go over a few things. Where am I? Thank you. So I count everything that I've ever done as trash so that I can gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and that I may know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his That's wild, isn't it? If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. And so 
Paul, first of all, and when I read this, that's a trip to me, man. It's not supposed to be thundering yet. It's just crazy. <laughs> when we start looking at this, when you read this scripture, there's some things that you just, you got to take home from this. First of all, when I read it, that's, this is what I wrote down as, as number one. Man, I got notes right here if you want them. If anybody wants them. I forgot I had them. I'm going to let you pass them out. I hope your windows are rolled up. <laughs> if they're not, it's too late. <laughs> Hurry up, y'all getting in my time. <laughs> I like it. He's my favorite. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open floodgates of Let it rain. Golly, yes, Lord. So Paul has this warning, and that warning is to Eastside Church. So when we read this, we think about, ah, oh, this was a nice little history lesson. It was a warning to the people at Philippi. No, no, no. This was written so that you and I could read it. The Holy Spirit knew that you and I were going to get it. And he says, watch out for the dogs. Paul is saying to you and me, watch out for the dogs. Well, who are the dogs? The dogs are saying that, that if anything other than Christ is preached for salvation, then that's a dog. The other thing he says in verse 18, he says that, 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 that these people who are trying to influence you are dogs because what they desire are the things of the world. He's saying the Eastside Church in 2017, watch out for the people in the church who are after the things of the world and not the things of the Spirit, who haven't died to the things of this world and come alive to the things of the kingdom of heaven. Be careful, if they're not focused on kingdom, then they are a dog, and watch out for them. I'm just reading the scripture. That's what he's saying. Be careful. Be careful what you're listening to. And man, that's so important in this age of communication. We listen to so much stuff, and you really got to be careful because oftentimes, the theological bent is different than, than what you need to be listening to. So you got to know who you're listening to. But Paul is warning us, beware of the dogs. Teachers taught that th th the works would help us with salvation. They also said that their minds were set on earthly things. 
And he says, only follow those who worship God when it is done in the Spirit and by the Spirit. We ought to be able to experience in our worship services, and one of the things that we're trying to accomplish in our services is to really get this pressing in up front, this happening that I, I really like. Do y'all like that? Y'all like it a lot? I mean a whole lot. Yeah, enthusiastically a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the reason we're trying to make that happen is is because there's something that can happen in the spiritual realm that most churches don't ever experience because they're not willing to, to press in to the things of God. And we want to press into the things of God so we open up heaven. Would you agree? Don't we need to see the power of God? You're going to see something here in just a minute. But it's by spirit, and it's the spirit of God, and the spirit of God in us is how we worship God. We worship God, and it happens in spirit by his spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24 says this. God, read it with me if you would, loudly. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's only one way to worship God, and that's in spirit. Now listen to me. This is so important to me. If you don't know what that is, there's a problem. You understand what I'm saying? If you say, well, you know, the spirit's in me, I mean, I mean, that's... I think that because it's in Scripture. I've never had an encounter with God or I've never had this encounter with the Holy Spirit or I'm not really sure what that means. I've never, I've never really had anything like that. Then that's an issue because there's only one way to worship the Lord and that's in spirit and in truth. In other words, it's, it's the Spirit of God in you that's going to give you that encounter that you've had with God that's going to be the Spirit of the Lord in you, you're going to begin to worship, and you're going to begin to worship Him in, in that Spirit and in truth. There's two things, and you're going to be able to sing back the truth about who you are and what, and what, and what He has done for you. I got that out. You're going to sing back who you are and what He's done for you. How... Are you joyous? How is it that you're joyous? How is it that no matter what happens in your life, that you can be full of peace and full of joy? The only way is that you know who you are, whose you are, and what he did for you. There's no other way. And the only way you can know that is the Spirit of God revealing that to you. And there is this overwhelming power of grace working in your life that brings something about that you can't do on your own. And you've got to have an encounter with that. You need to be being developed in that. Paul is going to tell us that that's his mission. He's going to say, and we've already read it, he's going to say, I'm going to give up everything about this life. I'm not going to be motivated by my career. I'm not going to be motivated by my family. I'm not going to be motivated by my gifts. I'm not going to be motivated by finances. 
My motivation is I'm giving all that up. That's all trash to me for one thing, and that is Christ Jesus. And this is what I want. I want to be found in Christ, found in him when he looks at me. It's not just when he comes back. It's not just on that day that you made a profession of faith. You, Paul is saying that he's given up everything. He's motivated by this one thing, and that is to be in Christ and to be found in him and to be found in the power of Jesus Christ. You watch this. It's not only to be saved and, and to, to live in Christ. It's also to... Uh, that, that, that the, uh, I'm trying to get this out. It's not only just coming to Jesus, but he's giving all that up and he's going through Jesus, but he wants to be found in him where he is in pursuit of him and, and the presence is there and the grace is abounding in him. And he also wants to be operating in the power of the resurrected Christ. Those three things Paul says, this is my aim. This is my goal. This is what I'm motivated by. Thanks. Give the pastor a hand for finally getting that out. Thank you so very much. But that's what he's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, man, I want to know Christ. I want to be found in him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to... Walk in the Spirit and in truth. And, and when Paul is writing this, he's writing this to the church. He's saying, watch out for people who teach something other than what I'm teaching you right now. He says, watch out for people that aren't teaching this because they're dogs. He says, you do this like I'm doing this. You follow me as I follow Christ. I'm your example. He's not saying, now listen, this would be a good lifestyle for all preachers. This would be a good lifestyle for all the worship leaders. That's how we look at it sometimes. What he's saying here is, this is who you're supposed to be in Christ. As a believer, if you're in the Spirit, if you're walking in spirit and truth, if you're worshiping God in spirit and truth and not on works, you have to give your life up. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ Jesus who lives in me. And so you're motivated by this Jesus thing. You're passionate about this Jesus thing. You want to be found in him every moment of the day. When the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth tomorrow at 1.15, are you going to be found in Christ Jesus? You see what I'm getting at? Every moment of every day, Paul wanted to be found in Christ Jesus. It's not just when the church is looking, just not when pastor's looking or my small group leader or my friend at church. It's when the eyes of the Lord look down and see me, am I going to be found in him? And I'm going to be found walking in the power of the resurrected Christ. That is amazing. Paul's whole life was aimed 
toward that. He wanted to hit the target. He wanted to aim for the bullseye and win. He says this, I want to know Christ. I want to be found in him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to lay hold of that thing which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Now, you remember when I talked about just the book of, uh, of life? It may be, just maybe because God knew you in your mother's womb. Maybe, just maybe, he has more than your name written down because that book he wrote on the back of the book. I mean, just, <laughs> it's just interesting. Do you think God really knows the plans he has for you and that his plans to prosper you and not to harm you? Do you think that's true? If he had all that written out for you, Paul is saying that my aim is to be in Christ, is to count everything that I stand for is rubbish. What I've accomplished on this earth is rubbish. All I want is Christ and Christ alone. I want to be found in him. I want to be seen in him during the day. And I want to be found in the power of the resurrected Christ. I want to be moving and, ab and abiding in that. And I want to be doing the very thing that Christ laid hold of me to do. He said, when Jesus' eyes look throughout the whole world, I want to be caught doing that. Man. If we look at everything that happened to Paul, Paul was freed from the thought of, look at what I'm doing. Look how good I am. Look what I did. He was freed from that. Paul was freed from the prison of yesterday's mistakes. Paul was driven by this one thing, and that is knowing Jesus. His life was built around enjoying Christ. Paul was a lover of God and not a user of God. He loved the Lord. He didn't just want to use God for what God could give him. He wanted to love God. But the most fulfilling part of Paul's life, it, it brought him joy. It brought him satisfaction, and that was to know Christ. If you've got your Bibles, flip to John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus is praying for himself. I'll just start with verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that you, your Son may also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh. Say that with me. You have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Let's say that together. There it is right here on the board. And he has given you eternal life to as many as you have given him. And then he says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That word for know means to be intimate. It's like intercourse in a marriage. It is that type of intimacy. It is the most intimate 
uh, description of what any relationship could be. What is eternal life? Eternal life is that you would know God and Jesus, His Son, and that you would worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that's what Paul lived for. And that's the only thing that made him joyful. He knew who he was in Christ. The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's so much going on in this, in this passage of Scripture. There's a couple of ladies here <clears throat> that are going to be fighting here in a minute. I got eight minutes. I got to roll. And Paul says, find common ground in Christ. Find, find common ground in Christ. Find, find unity in Christ. Paul's expectation for Eastside Church is that we would do what he's about to unfold for the church at Philippi. Let's read it. Let's start with verse 10. That Paul did all this so he would know him, that I may know Jesus, and that I may know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that thing which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, teeth, uh, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. What does that mean? That means that if you are a believer, if you're maturing, your mindset should be identical to what Paul is describing to the church at Philippians. That you should set your mind on things above. That you should set your mind on the things that, Paul, that Jesus Christ grabbed hold of you to accomplish. You should be thinking on those things. You be, should be thinking on Him. And you should be pressing toward the goal, forward toward the things that God wants to reveal to you and me. Amen. Y'all sleep? Too heavy? Good. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And while I'm doing it, I go to work. While I'm doing it, I'm married. While I'm doing it, I raise my children. While I'm doing it, I help other people do it with me, and that's called friendship. My mind is always set on these things. No matter what relationship I'm in, my mind is set on Christ. 
My mind is set on being found in him. And it's not a burden. It's the most fun life you could possibly live. It's the only way to be fulfilled and full of joy. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Let me read that one more time. First of all, I start at 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind as he just described. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Say that. Oh, for a pattern. So do you think it's for you? You think it's for me? Does it matter? Just because I'm a preacher, I get paid to do this. So you're, you know, is there a difference between us? There's none, is there? There's no difference. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, and they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. I think that's so important for the church to hear in this day and time. There is a definite division between kingdom things and earthly things, and Paul is referring to them as dogs who set their mind on, on earthly things and for the church to avoid such people. For our citizenship <laughs> is not of this world. You are foreigners, aliens, sojourners here. You're not a citizen here. You're not a citizen of the United States of America, even though you are. You're not spiritually. Spiritually, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, correct? For we are citizens, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved, and long for brethren, my joy and my crown are those who are following him. So stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast. And you're going to see that this weekend, give me a little heads up, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, and it's the, sow, it's the sower of the seed. It's where the seed fall on the four different souls. Y'all familiar with that passage of Scripture? Now, I want you to go read it when you get home. And this is what it says. It says, when, when the church hears the message of the kingdom of heaven, it falls on four souls. And we're hearing the message of the kingdom of heaven. And you've got one of those four souls. Don't think that you're the Florida soul. Don't make the mistake of just thinking that you're the Florida soul. You better be careful and have sober judgment and examine your life to make sure that you're part of that fertile soil. I'm confident that many of you are, and many, I hope I am, I'm, I'm, I'm checking. Because we are, the heart is deceitful above all things. We can we get, we're arrogant people when it comes to the things of God. And you just got to be humble before the Lord and ask God, God, 
What sort? Do I care? Do I really wake up in the morning and my heart is set towards you? Do I really think, God, as I go through my day, that when your eyes look at me, that I want to be found in you? I want to be walking in the power of the resurrection? Am, am I really motivated by that, or am I motivated by worldly stuff? Paul talks to these two women that aren't getting along and says, get along, women. So let's say that. Get along, girls. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So I say that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How often should you be rejoicing in the Lord? <laughs> you see where Paul's mindset is. What's he saying? This is where your thought processes should be. Your mind should be set on him. When you're doing your mundane work at, at, at work, when you're gazing at your computer screen, you should be doing that work as unto the Lord. At the best of your ability, you shouldn't be robbing or stealing from your employer. You should be working hard as unto the Lord, right? So he says, girls, get along, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And then he says this. This is, what, this is where I'm going in after verse 7 or 9 or one of the two. It says, be anxious for nothing. Say that with me. Be anxious for nothing. But, in my Bible, but is circled. Because when he, what he's saying there is, instead of being anxious, do this. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, prayer and peace are closely connected. That word for supplication actually means to transfer the burden of your soul into God's hands. And so what he's saying here is, he's saying, don't be anxious, but with all prayer and supplication, transfer the burden of your soul to the hand of God. Yes? With thanksgiving. How do you do that? See, that's the thing that's so important as we understand who we are in Christ. How do you do that? How, when, when you're going before God here, you've got to be going to Him with challenges, right? I mean, you would think that if you're, if you're praying and you're supplicating, you're putting your burdens in the hands of God, that there is a burden. <laughs> you know, your heart is burdened. Your soul is burdened. It's not like things are going rosy or peachy keen. You need God's movement in something. And, and God's saying, do that with prayer and supplication. Put your feelings and emotions and needs in the hands of Almighty God and do it with thanksgiving. Why? 
Because you're not a citizen of this earth. You're a citizen of the kingdom. You're a son of God. The promise is of yours. You have rights as a kingdom carrier, as a child of God, as a son of God, as a daughter of God. You've got rights. And so you can give thanks to God because the veil has been opened to you and you can go boldly to the throne of grace, which is God's power that wants to be sent out for you that will do more than you can do on your own. You can come boldly to that throne of grace and expect it to be poured out in your circumstance. That's why he's saying do it with thanksgiving because you have rights as sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The angelic hosts are, are, are poised for God's command to, to fight the enemy on your behalf. There's all kinds of things. And so we come to him with thanksgiving, with an attitude that says about him, toward him, I believe that you're going to meet my every need because your grace is sufficient for me. Your power at work in my life is enough. And so I can come to him with thanks. Now listen. What's your prayer life like? We, we want God to respond without us asking. We want God to meet our needs because we are kids. We are his kids. And so because I made a commitment to you 15 years ago, I want you to just meet my needs. Where are you, God? And that's not what he says. He says he, he wants, Paul is saying, do like I do. Pursue Christ. Put down your own efforts. Put aside your own efforts. It's only by the Spirit. It's only by truth. Walk in the power of the resurrected Christ. Come on. The Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in you. He says, you have not because you ask not. And God, as Paul is saying to the church, listen, if you want this, if you want what I got, and he says, man, I'm content. When it's good and when it's bad, it don't matter. You can kill me. You can throw me in prison. You can stone me. It don't matter. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What will it do? Is that, is it might? Is it, you, you think that it has, does that have any, does that have any uh, action on it that says, eh, maybe. It will. It will. It will guard your heart and your mind. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, and then he goes through that whole thing, these things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, 
and the God of peace will be with you. You see that? And the God of peace will be with you. He's saying, this is what I aim for. This is what I'm focusing on. I want to be caught doing exactly what Jesus laid hold of me to be doing. And if you'll do these same things, and as you go throughout your day, as you go out your week, as you go through your relationships, if your heart is set on Christ, if your heart is to be lay hold of him and been found in him, if your heart is to be moving in the power of the resurrection, and if you pray with supplication, laying your burdens upon the Lord with thanksgiving because of who you are and whose you are and, and where you live, what you're a citizen of, and what your rights are in the kingdom, he says the peace of God will be upon you. So do you have peace? In what area don't you have peace? What do you value more than you value your love for God? Do you love your wife, your kids, husband, your job, your football, your Facebook? What is it? That's huge. How do you know you're saved? How do you know you love God? When you do what he says. This is not a request. This is not a... This is not a... For me, it's not a thing that says, you know, it might be a good idea. You know, some Christians, they said, this is how you do it. This works. How many people do you know that need the peace of God? How many people who claim to be Christians need the peace of God? We've got a lot of work to do, don't we? First of all, we've got to get the peace of God. <laughs> and then we've got to help other people. Got to be motivated by that fact. Yes? Was that just too deep for y'all? Sue is melancholy in here. Paul says, rejoice in this. This is not supposed to be heavy. It's supposed to be happy. It's rejoicing. Because it's where success comes from. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.